0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Michael Lynn, and today's episode is all about 2020. What happened in 2020? What did we do? Well, Nick Raboy, Rebecca Mossner, and myself, we put together a podcast, and we're going to share with you the hardware we use, the software we use, and the processes that we put in place to deliver the MongoDB podcast. I think it'll be interesting if you've ever considered putting a podcast together. Maybe it's something that you've toyed with, an idea you've toyed with. Um, We'll give you all of the links in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe, and if you like this episode, I would love to hear from you in a comment, and always love a rating. If you could give us a rating, that would be really helpful. I hope you enjoy the episode. But first, a quick word from Owen Brazel from MongoDB University. Hi there. I'm Owen Brazel from MongoDB University. When creating applications, it's
1: important your users have trust that their data is safe By dedicating just one hour of your time to taking our A300 Atlas Security course, you'll gain the skills necessary to ensure best-in-class security for your MongoDB Atlas deployments. Enroll and take the free online course at your convenience at university.mongodb.com. You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy.
0: On this episode, we're going to go behind the scenes of this podcast, the MongoDB Podcast. And to help us do that, of course, we're always joined by Nick Raboy, co-host. How are you, Nick? I'm doing great, Mike. Awesome. And today we've got Rebecca Mossner. She's back to join us and and help uh, talk a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes and how we put this together. How are you, Rebecca?
2: I'm doing really well, Mike. Thanks for asking. I'm glad to be back for my second episode.
1: Outstanding. You want to give the listeners a refresher on what that first episode was that you're on?
2: Oh, yeah. I uh, co-hosted for Lauren Schaefer's sequel to MongoDB episode.
0: One of my favorite fantastic. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and and listen to that. Lauren is also one of my favorite people. So let's talk a little bit about the inception of the podcast. How long
1: has this podcast been running? So yeah, I mean, we started this podcast, I think, in, in February, right? But we had planned it maybe a month or two prior to that.
0: Yeah, I remember having discussions with you and another one of the developer advocates on the team, and we set the Initial discussion time frame for January or, or late December, and then it got pushed into January, and we just started talking about how it was going to come together um, but I, I don't know about you. I was shocked at the relative low barrier to entry like we we just
1: started recording, right yeah, I mean, I think so i we we had a rough idea though of, of what we wanted to do, but there wasn't a whole um i don't know the terminology, but there wasn't a whole lot of involvement of of what we needed to do right now i know that
0: um rebecca you did a lot of the legwork around um the podcast hosting and getting the directories like apple and spotify all of those how much work was involved in that
2: yeah honestly not a ton of work it was kind of like sign us up for um you know the for libsyn and then sign us up for some of the places where it would be syndicated like um uh apple and spotify um and some of the other places where people listen as well like stitcher uh and then you know let it let it rock and roll
1: nice so you throw around some uh some terms that that might be foreign to uh some of the listeners like you mentioned libsyn uh maybe we should talk about what that is and, and why we chose it what do you think mike yeah definitely
0: so i My first exposure to Libsyn, and I'll spell it out, it's L-I-B-S-Y-N, and it stands for Liberated Syndication. It's a company that does podcast hosting. My first exposure was when you guys mentioned it to me and
1: mentioned that this is where we were going to host this
0: podcast. How did you land on Libsyn?
1: Yeah, I mean, so Libsyn, I had heard of Libsyn through other podcasts that I listened to. I I, I think I first heard about it from the Smart Passive Income podcast with Pat Flynn, uh, but i honestly i don't i don't remember the true origin of where I discovered it, but it it's relatively cheap it had uh, a very easy well semi easy to use interface, and it had analytics uh, so mm-hmm. for example um, i I had been running my own podcast on my own personal network uh prior to the MongoDB to podcast I was using amazon s three and it's great, but it doesn't have good reporting features on uh, what who who your listeners are or how many listeners you have. So we kind of needed something better for the MongoDB podcast, right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. So Amazon
0: S3 is just a a straight object store. You're just storing the MP3 files there. Then it's up to you to do all the reporting about like who's accessing those files and, and what devices they're using to access them. And LibSyn does a really good job of giving you that level of detail. I will say that I if I could reach out to the Libsyn folks and make a request, like I really want uh, I want enhanced reporting. Access to the statistics uh, via an API would be phenomenal, so that we can kind of do our own uh, analytics dashboard. That would be great. I know that something like that used to exist, but I, I don't believe it does anymore.
2: Libsyn is just one of many podcasting hosting sites. You know, there's Blueberry and Bean Sprout. You know, there are a ton. It's just one that we decided on for you know, um, some of the reasons that, that Mike has just pointed out. So there are, if this is something that, you know, anyone who's listening is thinking about getting into, there is there are other options um, out there.
1: I was going to say, as far as I know, you could even host it on WordPress if you really wanted to.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, at the end of the day, it's just an MP3 file, right? You, you just want to yep. be able to feed it up. And, and uh, the key thing from a technology perspective is the RSS feed. Why is that so important, Nick? Why do you need an RSS feed?
1: Yeah, so it was like Rebecca said earlier, where we, we kind of use Libsyn and then we syndicate it to Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and things like that. We're actually submitting the RSS feed to those other networks. So every time we upload a new episode to Libsyn, it adds a new XML element to a feed, kind of like a sitemap. Um, and then the sites that we've submitted to uh, are constantly watching for changes to that RSS feed. Uh, so they'll automatically say, hey, there's a new episode because we've noticed it in your RSS feed to the listeners. Yeah, that's, that's a key piece of the technology. So if you're listening
0: to podcasts and you're wondering, well, how does this one podcast get to Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all of the different directories, that's exactly how it gets done. So again, just to kind of wrap this up, Libsyn for us is the podcast hosting service that we subscribe to. We upload our MP3 file of the episodes. We provide some metadata, like the title, the description. We include any links that we mentioned during the podcast. That's all done through the Libsyn interface. And then Libsyn does all of the, the magic around turning that into an RSS feed. And, uh, and as part of the sign up process in Libsyn, we go and we subscribe. We, we tell Libsyn that we want to publish our RSS feed to Apple Stitcher, all of those, those directories. And then of course you'll need to go to each one of those and provide that link to the RSS feed. So you'll go to Apple's podcast interface and provide them with the link to the Libsyn RSS feed. And that's kind of how those two things get joined up, but it's not as complicated as it sounds, right?
1: Yeah, no, it's, it sounds way worse than it really is.
0: (laughs) Right. Great. Hey, so before we go down too far into the into the weeds on how we do this. Um, I think it might be helpful if, if you, Nick, if you give us a little bit more background on, on who you are, how you got into this and
1: like, what did you do prior to coming to MongoDB? Yeah. So, I mean, prior to MongoDB, I've been uh, in developer relations for, I think since 2015. So we're in uh, the end of 2020 right now. So not too long, even though I think the role hasn't been around for, for too much longer than that. Uh, but. I have a background in, in software development. Uh, I love getting uh, educational material out to developers uh, through even new new outlets. So whether that be podcasts, Twitch, YouTube, I'm, I'm trying to find developers where they are, where where I would personally uh, find developer content. Um, so the podcast uh, is one of those. I mean, I like I mentioned, I, I run my own podcast outside of MongoDB, my own blog. Uh, so this this is the kind of stuff that I'm really interested in. Yeah, so it's a passion for helping developers. That's great. And how about yourself, Mike? Oh, so yeah, I've
0: also got a background in software engineering. uh, Spent many years as an architect and a a a leader at a Fortune 50 company, running an architecture and engineering team, um, and then moved into pre-sales solutions architecture. What is that? That's you know, we had Tosin Ajay on um, talking about the role of an SA. What what an SA does, but uh, when I came to MongoDB, I was focused on helping uh, the sales folks have conversations with developers and and helping answer the questions that that, that those developers had um, before moving into developer relations. And this is really my first formal developer relations role. Uh, however, like you, I think I've always been doing a lot of the same things. It's really the role that has kind of uh, shaped up and and come into creation. So Writing blog articles, speaking at conferences, all of those things. Um, yeah, but I'm I, I'm absolutely in love with the role. I think it's a perfect mix of uh, of writing software, writing sample applications, and teaching and helping people. I think that's really what, uh, what I'm I'm focused on. And Rebecca, uh, let's see. So I know you worked at DigitalOcean prior, but tell us a little bit about yourself. What's uh, what's in your background?
2: Yeah, um, so. I uh, got into the social world in college. Um, I started a social strategies agency when I was in college uh, and one of my clients ended up being DigitalOcean, which was kind of my foray into the technical world. I never actually pictured myself going into tech. I have no background in it, no formal Mm -hmm. education. I studied communications in college, um, but completely fell in love with developers and talking to developers on Twitter all day, (laughs) which was, uh, ended up being my job, making memes and GIFs and, or GIFs, (laughs) sorry, I don't wanna start that controversy (laughs) on this podcast. but yeah, so I started working at DigitalOcean, I graduated early so that I could start uh, working there. And it was, yeah, I, I just kind of fell in love with social media and developers and and this whole like, marketing for, for developers. And then I was there for two years running social for DigitalOcean. Um, I thought that, you know, infrastructure was super interesting, you got to you know, uh, see full stack. I got exposed to a ton of different technologies, including MongoDB, because, um, the thing about DigitalOcean, which is great is their tutorials are next level. So mm-hmm. I was really able to learn hands-on about, um, so many different companies, technologies that were really, uh you know, just just coming about. And um yeah, I, I heard about uh MongoDB quite a bit. There were tutorials that were being written and this opportunity came up and about two years ago I came on over to uh MongoDB and now I'm run social here and uh we're all over social anywhere <laughs> we're trying new things all the time. We are here, we're uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. TikTok. We have a TikTok. So, you know, we're always, we're always trying new things.
1: And you've been uh, an ac- absolutely critical asset to this podcast. Uh, even though that you've only been on one episode, you work you behind the scenes nonstop uh, making this thing a success. Let's talk a little bit about that process.
0: Like, you know, folks that are listening, probably, you know, they, they listen to the, to the subject of the podcast, and they they probably think we maybe we get together and talk about it. But there's a lot of thought that goes into the the episodes, and um, I don't know. Maybe we just talk a little bit about the process. We have a weekly uh, meeting. Sometimes it, it ends up being less than weekly, but um, we've got a weekly meeting where we float the ideas for 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 episodes, um, and then and what what
1: happens from there, Nick? Talk a little bit through the the process. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe before we even go there, and this is up to you, but maybe we talk about some of the 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 type of episodes that we've had on the show so far, and then we talk about the process on how how we got there. What do you think? I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So I mean, when we started the podcast, we went into this because you were you were on the the startups uh, and emerging markets team, right? Correct. Emerging developers. Yeah. Uh, so our our whole kind of goal was to get these startups front and center on the podcast and show that they they're doing amazing things with MongoDB and kind of give them that that limelight, right? Yep. Uh not only that, but we also went into it uh a few episodes um on MongoDB technologies. So I think it, what was it like the third or fourth episode? We got right into uh MongoDB, uh Stitch, which is Realm now, right? Mm-hmm. Introduction to Realm.
0: So what else do we have on the podcast this year, Mike? So so we we kind of pushed into that technical space. We did some more things with uh well, we had Joe Carlson on and we talked about GraphQL. That was one that was really well received. Um yep. we we continued on with the the startups. We had an, a few great conversations with uh folks like um radar. Uh radar was just doing some amazing things in the uh in the geo space, and that continues to be. One of the top listened
1: episodes. Yeah, I think we should actually get into some of the stats later in this episode on uh, just just how we're how we're measuring the performance. But I think I think we'll get there. I think we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure thing. Uh, let's see. So we did. Uh, we recently started and kind of formalized those startup conversations, and we're calling those built with MongoDB. That that kind of lines up with an initiative that's coming out of the emerging developer team. Uh, so they're publishing blogs and they they label those as built with MongoDB. So it makes sense for us to to kind of follow along the same vein. Um, and I th- I think developers want to hear from folks that are actually using MongoDB in a in a really successful way. So so we'll continue on with the built with MongoDB uh, episode types. Um, we also have news updates. Now these are less frequent, but as things Happen in the MongoDB space, like events and uh, developer advocates and other MongoDB professionals speaking out there in the world. Um, As product updates occur, uh, we try to deliver those on Monday morning. So that's a relatively shorter episode. So if you you tune in on Monday morning, you're going to get a MongoDB Monday morning update and um, hear all about uh, product updates and, and events happening in the MongoDB space. And then, of course, the Wednesday podcast episodes are the uh, the long-form interviews. Um, you want to talk a little bit about some of your favorites there, Nick? What, what's been your favorite interview so far?
1: Yeah, I've mentioned this a few times already on other episodes, but still to date, I think my favorite episode is with Shane McAllister on Realm. Um, and on that episode, uh, Shane talked about Um, Not only Realm in general, but he spent a lot of time regarding Realm Sync and some of the features that it has. Um, I I think it's just a really well-done episode. A lot of great information. Very, I I don't know. I think I like uh, Shane's clear radio voice that he has. Who knows the reason? Uh, But (laughs) it is one of my favorites.
0: (laughs) And that's episode 17. That was um, back in September, believe it or not. Yeah, MongoDB Realm. Yeah, that's
1: recent. Shane McAllister. But I guess this takes us back to your original question, Mike, is is how do we get there, right? How do we get mm-hmm. these uh, these uh, episodes on the calendar and recorded? Um, mm-hmm. So I think you've been doing most of the heavy lifting on that aspect, you and Rebecca. So, I mean, do you want to shed some light or maybe Rebecca shed some light on this?
2: Oh, I mean, I think that most of what I do is I hop in and drop work on your guys' plate. <laughs> um I come up with like a wild idea, like, hey, we should get the president of a crazy country to come on the podcast and (laughs) let's make it happen. And then I leave and no one hears from me. So that's mostly what I do. Um, And then I hop on calls and I meet myself and I come on with no video and I lurk. Um, That's a majority of what I contribute to this podcast and to this team.
0: Yeah, don't undersell yourself because I, I think the the key is in the in the free thinking, you know, thinking outside the box and and actually, you know, considering everything possible. And I think that's one of the things I love about this small team is like we've got got some pretty big goals. And as long as we keep it to really, you know, considering the developers' needs in mind, making sure that we're always focused on delivering really good content that developers care about. Um that's, that's the first thing on my, on my checklist. So yeah. Great.
2: Yeah. On a, on a very real note, it's incredibly collaborative and, um, it's kind of incredible how, um, how free it is to be able to go to, you know, two people and say, Hey, I have this kind of crazy idea. No judgment here. It could be totally a bad idea. Um, and just know that there will be very radical candor feedback about like yes that is uh, not a great idea or um like I love it let's make it happen which is usually the next step like there is forward m- movement and you know action action happens faster here than I've ever seen on on projects and a lot of that is like you know uh, like Mike is just fires off emails faster than anyone I've ever seen. Um, so yeah, things, things happen really fast here in terms of like scheduling, uh, you know, kickoffs and, and agendas being created and, and then like those initial phone calls, um, that, that turn into, to recordings with with folks both internally and externally. Obviously, when we bring in you know the external folks uh, who are customers, it comes a little bit more processed than internal.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I think like what's the takeaway for the for the folks listening that that may be interested in starting their own? I think I think what I'm hearing is, I mean, you know. Literally anything is possible when you have the support of, of leadership. And, um, Grace Francisco has been phenomenally, you know, supporting the, the podcast and I know up through the marketing leadership team as well. Um, so I don't know about you, but I feel incredibly empowered to, to make those calls, to make those, to send those emails to, uh, you know, CEOs and CTOs and, and, um, you know, with the MongoDB brand. Uh, we're able to to get those conversations. So
1: I want to get into the more nitty kind of gritty side of the actual scheduling and planning portion of how we get into the podcast. So I know Rebecca, usually what happens, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, is you source a lot of the guests to us. So for example, you sent us a lot of high profile candidates, such as say for example Mark Porter, the CTO of MongoDB, right? Yeah,
2: I will say it's definitely uh, not just me who is sourcing folks for our show. It's something that we do collaboratively uh, and also is a great internal effort. Um, We get folks that are recommended to us from our customer advocacy team, from our customer success team, from sales. Um, So for anybody who's thinking about creating a podcast, it's definitely wise to tap your own internal networks, uh, first and foremost, and see you know, if they're willing to come on to your show or if they know somebody who would be an expert in your field. Um, it's so much easier to do that than to go cold calling, for example, to see if you can get uh, somebody onto your, onto your show.
1: That's great advice. So after the sourcing happens, Mike, uh, we, we usually, you usually start firing off introduction emails, right? Right. So I'll send, a, I'll send an email and
0: describe the process. We have a two-meeting process. The first meeting is uh, really short. It's just explaining the logistics and making sure that the, the interviewee is comfortable. We explain you know, our bell. We've got this handy little bell. We talk about that. Um, you know, we use the bell to mark time on the podcast when i screw up and i say things that i shouldn't say uh we ring that bell uh,
1: yeah just to interrupt so i mean you tried to show it on the camera here but this of course is going to be an audio only (laughs) podcast so the bell that mike is referring to is kind of like a restaurant bell like when an order is up kind of thing right yeah they're like i'm gonna gonna ring it i'm gonna ring it
0: (laughs) so i think actually one of one or two of our podcast episodes (laughs) went out with our friend the bell on it. <laughs> at yeah. some point, so but I mean, so so folks understand why we're talking about a bell, um we keep the bell and we explain the bell to our podcast guests, so that we're really just trying to elicit a sense of comfort. We're just having conversations, and we want folks that we're talking with to be really comfortable saying what's in their head and 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 really coming speaking from their hearts uh, if they're always thinking that they have to say the right thing at the right time. That can really stifle the creativity. So, at any point in time, uh, you know, I might raise my hand and hit the bell, and that gives us a really recognizable visual signal. Um, and I think that suggestion came from Jersey, right? Our yeah, Jersey shirt I explained that in the first email. Then we send we send that out, and that's got a link to our Calendly. I don't know if folks are familiar with Calendly, but it allows uh, the person we're trying to collaborate with to select a time on the calendar that works for us both. I, I kind of leave that in their hands so that they, they pick a time that works for them. Um, that's been an amazing tool for us. And that first session happens. It's 30 minutes. We explain the logistics. And then we, as a goal coming out of that first meeting, we schedule the recording. And that's, that's a 60-minute meeting. We typically don't use all 60 minutes, but um, that lets us get to about a 30-minute episode. I
1: feel like that's the, the right time allotment for this type of content. I actually think this might be a good time to pivot into some of the finer logistic details uh, about the the episode itself. So I mean you you mentioned the bell, uh but uh, I think it's worthwhile to to even explore some of the the hardware requirements for for recording a podcast and the software requirements. I mean a lot of the listeners up until now were were like 30 minutes in, we we haven't even shared how we actually record a podcast with guests, right? Great, great point. Yeah. So, I mean, the, probably the most powerful tool in our arsenal right now, um, and this could always change in the future. You, you never know. But our most powerful tool is probably this tool called Zencaster. So, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com. More yep. More clue to link in the notes. Yeah. So, this tool is actually a web-based tool. There, you don't have to install anything. Uh, there is a free version. Um, you could use a paid version as well. Uh, but what it does is it allows you to add guests to a conversation similar to like you would in Skype, but uh, without the software requirements. The service, it's a web, web browser-based service. And when you're talking to each of your guests in this tool, you're actually getting a separate track for each guest. So if you have 10 people on your call, you're gonna get 10 different tracks to edit. It's not all merged into one. Okay, um, hold up, on t- hold up, wait a minute. So we Zencaster's web-based, we
0: send uh, a link? How does that work? Nick, explain to folks.
1: Yeah, good point. Uh, so what happens is usually what we'll do prior is we'll log into Zencast, and we'll create a a recording uh, kind of room. It's kind of like a chat room almost. Um, it gives us a unique link that we can send to our guests. Uh, they will all log into this, this room. Uh, they don't need an account. They can just enter their name, and that's how they'll be represented in the tool. Uh, we have admin access. So we'll actually be in charge of hitting that record button. Uh, so we'll all be in that tool. Uh, when when we hit that record button, it doesn't, it doesn't just give us that one track. Like I said, what it's doing is it's it's saving the audio track to everyone's local computer in their browser cache. Uh, so that's going to give them the highest possible quality audio that you can get. So that way there's no kind of network hiccups or anything like that. Um, and at the end of the call, when we hit hang up, it uploads everyone's track uh to Zencaster's cloud service, uh, which we can then download and start editing, right, Mike?
0: Yep, yep. So and individually, that's the key thing. We get, you know, if we have four people on the podcast, we get four individual tracks and and we could download those. And, you know, I personally use Audacity. I know you have some other tools, but I use the free version of Audacity. To, to kind of stitch those together and edit out any ums and ahs and breaths. and yeah. But you certainly are like the master of the, of the, the technology yeah. there. You want to talk a little bit about what you do?
1: Yeah, so, and this will kind of further reiterate on the importance of having a separate track and, and being able to do that in a remote setting is, you know what? Everyone is going to have different audio setups at home. We try to encourage that everyone have a hardware mic and a headset it's not always the case. Some people's hardware mics are a little, little, um, not so great compared to others. But if for some reason somebody has a, um, low volume microphone, um, on that, on that call and everyone else's is very high, well, if you try to edit one single track and there's 10 different audio levels, it's going to be difficult. But if I import several different tracks into GarageBand or Audacity, or I personally use Reaper, um, I can modify that track individually. So if that track is very low, I can boost the volume of just that track without disrupting all of the others. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole process behind the editing is, is is actually quite fun for me. I don't, Mike. I think you have a good time oh, with it as well.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is. A, it it can be a lot of work if you want to to really clean up the audio. But um, but it is. I really enjoy the process.
1: Do you want to talk a little bit about the hardware that we use? Uh yeah, so I mean, personally, what I'm using is I'm using an AT 2020 microphone. Uh, Mike, I think you were for the longest time as well before it kind of exploded, uh, yep. not not literally. <laughs> uh, what are you using right now? Uh, I've got a a Shure
0: SM7B, which is a phenomenal uh quality microphone. I'm running that to a cloud lifter, which is a uh, they call it a mic activator. it's It's really just a power booster. And then that goes into
1: what is this guy a, what is it, scarlet solo scarlet right uh,
0: focus right scarlet yeah and this is the yeah. third edition but um, that's uh, and, that's an xLR to to USB converter with preamp, right right and that's the key thing XLR is the interface for the sm seven b the microphone I'm using has this uh, this large jack that's called an XLR jack and to get that to get the 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 actual connection to the computer to my I'm just using my laptop that needs to go into the focus right and then out the back it it comes out and there's a USB-C connection that connects it right to my laptop and um, what that gives me is is it removes the the necessity to uh, control the sound on the Mac on the on the computer itself and I just use the focus right to control the input gain and and all of the settings
1: there. And just for just because we're we're mentioning each of our microphone hardwares and you can you can gauge the quality of that hardware based on this particular episode, Rebecca, do you happen to know the the microphone that you're using um so that way listeners can get an idea?
2: Oh man, um mine is a thirty two dollar microphone from Amazon is USB
0: before we leave the hardware discussion, Nick, do you want to talk about why it's important for guests to have a separate microphone and and if at all possible, yeah. Uh, headphones.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll rewind a bit. So the reason why, and this is, I think this might be more of a personal opinion than anything on why it's important to have a microphone at all for a podcast and not use your internal laptop microphone or or similar, is if you're you're going to have listeners where English, for example, might not be their first language. If your audio quality is not clear they they will not be a a subscriber to your podcast because it will be too difficult to translate on what you're saying so if you have any hardware it could be video it could be audio it could be anything you want your microphone to be the best of the bunch uh, because that is going to be the most impactful but in regards to actually having a headset and microphone you need you kind of need to have a headset because if you're if you're blasting everyone's audio through your speakers. Your microphone is going to pick up that sound and create an echo or some kind of noise, uh, which is just going to be overall disruptive and and kind of difficult to remove uh, post processing.
0: So it's the clarity of the of the signal, and and once we we have the hardware in place, once we have the ZenCaster, uh, and we get the episodes, we're editing them. I mentioned Audacity uh, earlier on. We were using GarageBand. Once that's in place. We also the output of that is an MP3 file, and we can take that and upload it to we're currently using Libsyn, which we mentioned previously, for our, for our hosting. But then we also go one further step and we transcribe the episodes. Uh, we use a service called revrev.com, and uh, I will take the completed episode and I'll trim off the intro and the outro. So that we're not transcribing anything we don't need and I'll send that to rev.com they do a phenomenal job of transcription it takes a, a couple of hours maybe 7 or 8 hours and I get a a really well done time stamped version of the discussion that we had for the podcast and we publish those on the developer hub right we put those on developer.mongodb.com so you can not only listen to the podcast but you can also read it and then what I do is I spend some time going through the transcription and adding links to the discussion points that, that are relevant. I do pull quotes and I, I uh, create little block quote sections so you're not looking at this straight wall of text. Where applicable, I will get photos of the guests and put those on there. So if you ever want a little bit more detail about um, a podcast episode, maybe you want to see what the person looks like, you can head on over to developer.mongodb.com. And there's a, a podcast section there that you can click through.
1: So what's next on this uh, podcast agenda? So, I mean, we've, we've talked over the, the hardware. We've talked over how we source and, and deal with guests on the show, uh, some of the transcriptions. Do we want to get into uh, some of the analytics or how we gauge whether or not our episode is successful or any kind of post, uh, post-publishing uh, kind of promotion? Definitely. So,
0: uh, well, we mentioned that Libsyn... Provides us with stats pretty much on a daily, if not multiple times per day. I will log into Libsyn, I will click the stats button, and I will filter the stats based on the current month, and I'll get a CSV. I'll click a button that gives me the CSV file, and I import that into a spreadsheet in Google Sheets, and uh, I've got all sorts of um, uh, little formulas that that pull data out of out of the CSV and uh, pivot tables that that added up. But at the end of the day, what we're looking for is the listenership for each episode for each day. Uh, but Rebecca, do you have something to add there?
2: I think that that is a good assessment of how we're looking at things. Generally, I think that this year launching a podcast has been uh, an interesting risk um, with you know covid people are listening to podcasts a little bit less than they typically would have because they are not commuting and so you know as we're coming up on a year of in you know, having this podcast out um we have seen a lot of relative success and i think that we have a lot to be proud of there are numbers that I'm, I'm sure we're, we're looking at and, and missing or not accounting for because there are a lot of people who are not going about their normal routines still at this point or adjusting to a new normal routine. Analytics are all about telling a story. And, and I think we're still figuring out exactly what that story is in addition to you know the, the world around us.
1: But even even with that risk, uh, we've we've seen a pretty pretty constant uh, increase over the months on on our show, right?
2: Oh yeah, I think that's like the other thing about uh, about podcasting too, and about about content in in general, and, and and putting anything out there is consistency is really important when you're trying to create. Uh, a community and and an audience and trying to build your voice and you know people need to be able to expect all right you know Mike and Nick are going to be putting out an episode every single day at this time and it, it's just so interesting because initially when we set goals and I don't think we mentioned this but when we set the goals for this podcast it was going to be monthly yeah a monthly yeah, podcast yeah. <laughs> now that you guys are pumping out episodes three times a week that is insane it's incredible um but there is a lot of accountability and expectation that will hopefully be there from the community that like monday wednesday friday a year from now, hopefully the community will be like, "All right, I like, I expect a podcast from Mike and Nick." Like, uh, it's a it's eleven fifty four a.m. Eastern. Like, where's that podcast? So yeah, I, I I think that that consistency is just so important. And as we've become more consistent and we've posted more, we've also seen those numbers really increase. When we weren't consistent, when there were things that were outside of our control, obviously in June, with um, you know, following George Floyd's death, with the uh, Black Lives Matter protests, with the anti-police protests, we didn't post. We also obviously saw a huge like our our numbers drop, uh, like, like you know, yeah,
0: and and I wanna I wanna state too, like we we look at and we say the word numbers, but these are listeners and it's it's really about the reason that we look at the at the statistics and the analytics is so that we understand that what people are reacting to where the listenership is is higher and that gives us an indication as to where we want to lean in so when we say numbers we're really really focused on the listeners and the whole reason that we do this is to help developers really to increase the communication channels I mean it's an amazing channel people are people are are listening to podcasts more and more and that's that's the whole why we do this whole thing is really to you know to continue to reduce the friction associated with um, with leveraging the mongodb platform and learning software development in general right
2: yeah that's so true and on that in that same vein if there's anything that anyone has an idea about or Wants, to, wants us to cover in an episode, there are definitely ways to reach out to us and either pitch an idea to us or you know, share anything with us. Mm. Mike and Nick, what are those best ways, do you think, to get in touch?
0: So email podcast at mongodb.com. We'll reach all three of us. Yep, podcast at mongodb.com. Send us email. Um, We're also um, in the Twitterverse, right? Just use the MongoDB. uh, You can direct message and Rebecca will get that. Both Nick and I are uh, very active in social media. You can reach out to us individually. I'm at MLynn, at M-L-Y-N-N. And Nick. Yeah, and I'm uh, at N-Raboy. So first initial and then my last name, Nick Raboy. I think we've covered everything. Anything else we want to discuss or, or share
1: with the listeners before we uh, wrap up? Um, no, I mean, I, I'd like to reiterate that if you want to catch up on on previous podcasts that we've done this year, uh, go ahead, go to mongodb.com slash podcast, uh, and that'll redirect you to our landing page. But you can always go to any of the uh, podcast networks and, and pick up the podcast there as well. Yeah, I would highly encourage you to to subscribe. We've got some
0: really exciting things coming. Just had a phenomenal discussion with. Well, I'm going to leave it as a surprise, but I really would like people to subscribe so they don't miss an episode. And um, if I could close with a, a heartfelt request for reviews, we would love to get some feedback about the episodes. If you're listening to something and you enjoy it, take a moment. I know it's it's not easy these days with the way Apple hides the review button, but but we would love to hear from you in a review, whether it be on on Google, Spotify, or or um, Apple, that would really help us out. Rebecca, anything else?
2: I mean, i I think we've we've said it all. I'm just uh, very thankful to be working on this project with um, with you both, and always thankful for the MongoDB community and for the people that we continue to reach. Um, this has been a really enriching project to be working on over the course of the last year, and I'm excited to see how it continues to grow over time. and
0: All right, folks. Thanks for listening.
1: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com.